Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Grant Paulson, you can catch him every afternoon 2 to 6.30 on 106.7 Fan. Also the Busted Loose Baseball podcast, a podcast full of sadness. It's not. It's not. It's not Granddaddy's fault, though. It's just. That's it's what just we put Grandaddy. on the the Chiron at the bottom. <laughs> right where it says "Take Command" on the left, it says "Boston Loose Baseball," and on the right, it says "A Podcast Full of Sadness." Grant, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, uh, real Grant. quick, can I yeah. ask you guys a football question? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you got more time, we can keep you and talk a little football for the next twenty minutes if you want. So I have I have a football question I want to bounce off you. Okay. It's it's a comment that I want your your takes on. Okay. Okay. Um. I think that this front office and this coach is way too conservative in the offseason, and it drives me nuts. Now, their counter is, we like our guys. And to that I say, I like them too, to go 7-10. and 10. Enough already. Like, where is my urgency? Where is my aggressiveness? And this is not like a hot takey sports talk radio thing. I promise. But what are we doing? What is the plan in this town? What, what, I don't understand. Ron Rivera is going into, in my opinion, what is a got to have it year. You make the playoffs or you're out. You win a playoff game or you might be out. Like that's a reasonable take in year four when you've been sub 500 three times. And I know they technically were 500 with a tie last time at eight, eight and one, but they won a division with seven wins. Like, no, how about no on that? So this is a this has been three years of sub five hundred football. He's going into an offseason where with a new owner, he might get he might actually deserve to keep his job and still be out of luck with a new owner that hires a new GM and a new head coach. And I'll feel terrible for the guy if that happens. He's a good dude and I I root for him. I like him. But the the quarterback plan I've signed off on, I'm fine with. I'm surprised he's going that route again in a gotta have it year where Sam Howell, after like 19 passes, you go from thinking I'm not really sure if this guy can start a week 18 game that doesn't matter to uh, he's my starter and he's going to run the show this off season. And then you bring in Brissett, who's a career backup. So again, not what I would do with my job on the line. If CK came in and said, you better do a great show today or uh, you're out. I'd probably do things a little differently than just how I've been doing them when it wasn't working, but what have you, I digress. But, but like the Cowboys go trade for Brandon cooks. They, they, they have less, they don't have a lot of cap space. They've got a good receiver position. I would be doing the Giants thing. Where's my draft pick for Darren Waller? Like, where is Dalton Schultz with a suppressed tight end market right now to come in here and catch 70 passes? 
You're, you're, you're being cheap at quarterback on purpose so that you can build this thing up. Your biggest move is Andrew Wiley, an offensive tackle who gave up nine sacks last year, who signed below market on day one of free agency, which tells you about how many suitors he was expecting to have. They've, they've brought in a tackle who might be an upgrade, but isn't a stud. They brought in Wes Schweitzer 2.0 downgraded, turn the fader down a little bit. You know, like they're doing, if this was year one of Rivera, awesome. I love what they're doing. It's year four. And I just don't get the vision. Are they as good as the Eagles? No. Are they closing the gap? I don't think so. Are they as good as the Giants right now, who, who they tied with last year? No. The Cowboys? No. Like, what is the plan? What am I missing? Yeah, so if I was going to kind of make a counter-argument to you, <clears throat> one, <clears throat> I'm glad you brought the tight end position. And one, I think they are incredibly high on the young tight ends. And I think when you look at Ron and you look at what they've done over the past couple of years, like, they have done a good job of betting on development. And I know that's kind of a risky proposition, but I look at Derek Forrest and what he did from year one to year two. I think they're expecting a similar jump from Percy Butler. I think they look at a guy like Armani Rogers, a guy like Cole Turner, Curtis Hodges, like they are so high on those guys. And it's and it's not without reason, right? Because like you look at him, you say Titan is a traits driven position. Those guys have more traits than you could possibly want. They're all tall. They're all converted wide receivers. Now you're asking for development, right? Which again, I understand that's a little bit, you know, kind of gets a weird feeling in your stomach. But for whatever reason, the staff has done a really nice job with that. Now, with regards to the offensive line, I am frustrated by that move, right? I think Andrew Wiley is a fine player. I don't think he's a great player. I think he's a guy that in Kansas City was elevated tremendously by what Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid did to insulate him, right? And I think he can do stuff for you, but he's definitely a scheme fit. So maybe what you're saying, if you're Ron, is we're going to buy low, get a guy who fits the scheme, who understands Bieniemy, understands this offense. Bieniemy can call a game to insulate him, and we're going to be okay because we're going to bump one of the most athletic linemen in the NFL into guard. Hopefully he develops there and we're going to have a nice kind of duke it out position flex at the left guard. To me, that's the most risky element because in terms of making a big move for like a skill position guy, like you want, like you, you're not going to find a, a better receiver to kind of flush out that room. Jahan's going to develop. Terry's one of the best in the league. Curtis is fantastic. The running back situation, I think you feel pretty good about. The other thing to consider here too, Grant, is that this is one of the deepest tight end draft classes I've ever seen. And also at running back, it's ridiculously deep. Like you could get a really, really explosive good football player in the fifth or sixth round. And so there, I think that is factoring into it. I also think they kind of put their eggs in the Duran Payne basket and said, this is who we want to be. So can you trade for guys? Absolutely. But I think that just to kind of give you, they love, they love some of the young pieces that they have here. They love them. Which I totally get, and and I like them too. I guess my point, like I'm pulling the helicopter up to like ten thousand feet in a way. Yeah. But what I'm saying is like, okay, I guess we'll just wait again, like and hope. Yeah. And when does that stop? You're in year four. Your quarterback situation is a guy who's throwing less than twenty passes and a backup. Like that generally doesn't net you where you want to go number one now i'm okay with the plan i'd be a lot more happy if it was the first year of a regime but right. i'm perfectly fine with the plan i think this is probably what they should have done a couple years ago frankly right. and i happen to like how you talk about traits i think he's better than heineke in everything i like heineke's faders are all at five and Howells are at seven or eight he's got better arm he's more mobile and athletic like i i think he's got some of the same gamer trend tendencies i think he'll be okay 
But I guess my point is, you mentioned pain. I wouldn't have done that for the record. I know I'm in the minority, but I'm not paying two tackles that money. That money goes to offense. This league is about scoring points. And yes, it is also about stopping teams from scoring points, but it's Alan Orr for me. Like everything they do to me sometimes feels like they're, they don't have one big vision. Like they drafted a tackle in the second round last year. Mm-hmm. They paid John Allen. They drafted the tackle in the second round. Well, clearly at that point, you're not expecting to pay pain. Well, I guess then he has the 11 sack breakout. I don't love signing guys to crazy contracts when one year in a contract year is unlike all the other years. And also to your point, Grant, one of the things about pain and that signing that I think is interesting is that his pressure rate is 9.8. It was 9.8 last year. It was 9.8 the year before that. And I think what you're seeing is that even though the pressure rate is the same, the sack rate is the number that fluctuates and the sacks are the numbers that get paid. So he could easily regress to a position where he's a three sack guy again, you know, and do you feel good about that contract number? If he's a three sack guy again. <clears throat> and so what I'll say to you about the quarterback situation specifically is they weren't going to go out and pay big money for a quarterback because they got burned real bad. And I will say, I just did a breakdown of Jacoby Brissett and last year, like he was playing at a starting caliber level. Now, do you get that same, do you get that same player here? I have no idea, but I think that signing might be the most significant to your kind of perspective, your thousand foot helicopter view. If Sam Howell doesn't go, or if he's not where you think he's at, which again is a big concern for me, you have a guy who is about as close as you're going to get to a starter, a good pro, been in multiple offenses, learned multiple offenses. And quite frankly, when you watch the film of him compared to Carson Wentz last year, you feel much better about him coming in and elevating the offense, which is I, interesting. I love that move. Like this yeah. was the guy that I wanted, but, and this is not fair to Jacoby Brissett is what I'm about to say. <laughs> I love it. I don't want him playing. Like right. I don't care if he plays well. Sure. That's, that's a disaster for me. In your fourth year, if you go to Jacoby Brissett, with, with all due respect, who was the guy I wanted as the backup and the caretaker. If something happens to how he gets hurt, whatever, awesome. You play Brissett and you try to win as many games as possible. But if Sam Howell struggles, you know, the plane runs into the mountain here and you go to yeah. Brissett for nine starts, it's over, Johnny. Like I, that, I don't care if he, if he has 20 touchdowns and four picks. Like that isn't interesting to me in, a, in, in the future, in the long term. You're back in the quarterback market. The, well, the only thing I would oh, go ahead. Well, what I would say is like if your if your concern is for Ron Rivera, everything you're saying is true. If you really want to take the helicopter up, though, this is perfect. Either it works with Sam Howell, or you bust and you completely start over. And what you which is why done, I'm which is why I'm in on this plan. <laughs> right, right. What they've done for a decade is hire a coach, have the owner force a quarterback on the coach, have a screwed up time cycle of those two things, mess up the quarterback, that gets the coach fired. But the coach, the new coach is now stuck with the old quarterback and it happened Robert. They screwed up the Kirk contract. Then obviously Haskins, they try to bring Alex in. That goes bad for a very different reason. Jay gets fired. Like this cycle finally breaks. The new owner comes in, new coach, new GM, new quarterback. Everyone's on the same page. And you go from there. And, like, that's great. Or Sam is actually a steal. You found someone in the fifth round. You don't have to pay him for multiple years. And you have an actual starting caliber quarterback for the first time in a long time. And you proceed forward with Ron or the new coach. But, like, to me, if if your focus is, like, what are you doing, Ron Rivera, for the sake of yourself? Totally agree with you. It doesn't, like, there is an element of, like, 
we're really doing it hit me really hard at the combine because you kind of get out of the media bubble uh the dc media bubble and i'm talking to other folks from around the league and they're like so they're really gonna start howl huh and it's like yeah people he's pretty good people and can't people are like what, how do you know and i'm like i mean that's I, I he looks fine and they're like i liked him but like really um and so you kind of you kind of have that reality check but i do think that when you get above the looking out for Ron Rivera's well-being, this is ideal for the first time in a long time. Yes, yeah. I agree with that. And and the good teams, well, well, forget the good teams. The the right situation, the process should be a GM is empowered, which doesn't happen here. But my hope is for the first time in in my adult life with a new owner, perhaps next year, they will actually have a actual football GM. That is the overseer of the building. And then that that person will hire a head coach and that that person will pick his quarterback because that one, two, three process is the best one. And they have never done that one here since they were winning Super Bowls. Everyone's like, they've tried everything. No, they haven't. They have not had a GM pick a coach who picks his quarterback in that order. And so that's my sincerest hope. And, you know, just on the same level, my, my hope would be how's awesome. They win a ton of games. And the Martys get to high-five Ron all the way to the NFC Championship game this year. And there's a big Marty party on the team flight. That yeah. would be awesome, too. But starting over and ripping off the Band-Aid. Hey, everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And I also think that this roster, when you look around the roster, so go position by position, is closer than people think. Now, it's got a couple of key cogs that need to be kind of looked at draft this year. I wish they would have handled offensive line specifically, like just been a little bit more aggressive there. I don't not that I dislike Wyler. I dislike Gates. I just think just be a tick more aggressive there. But <clears throat> they could screw around and win, you know, win a playoff game. Like if, if Howell even plays to like just slightly plus. And I think when you look at Jacoby Brissett in Cleveland, right, they would have been easily a playoff team if they, if he had started the whole year, right? So I think there are there is a world, and I've said this on this podcast before, where it's like they walk in, and I think it's because the roster is sneaky good. Now they need to hit on a lot of draft picks to make this go. They, need, they still need to do some stuff, but it, to me, it's it's not crazy to think that Ron, again, like I don't know if I was Ron. I don't know if I would have done anything differently outside of the quarterback. Is well, yeah, that was going to, that was going to be my question for you, Grant is I hear everything you're saying, but my, yeah. my question is kind of, then, well, then what would you have done? And yeah, if the answer is like, well, I would have traded for Jalen Ramsey. Like, okay, that's an interesting conversation. No, 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 um, here's what I got it for you. I, I, Cause I have been asked this by listeners yeah. and callers and I've, I've, I've had to go through it. So two things, right? Number one, you said you would have liked them to have been more aggressive uh, helping out the offensive line. I yeah. would just put a period after aggressive. They don't do it. They don't have that bone in their body. They can't. But I guess, I guess like what, because to me, the only position group that they weren't aggressive at that needed a significant upgrade was the offensive line. Okay, this is so, the way so, I look so at so it. This is two-parter, right? Number yeah. one, it, it, that's a big deal. Like their yeah. biggest priority is offensive line. I was told the day they said that they were rolling with Sam Howell and I was texting people over there. 
it's a two pronged plan that it's Sam Howell and we're going to kick ass getting better on the offensive line. Right. I'm waiting. Okay. Right. That hasn't That's a big deal. That's and so, and for fans real quick, this offensive line draft, especially where they're going to be picking at 48 and 16 is pretty good. So maybe you're counting on that. I don't know, yeah. but just, I, well, I need to Logan, say that. You said this too, right? If they draft a ta- they draft Anton Harrison in the first round, who's, who's ready to play right tackle tomorrow. Right. Yeah. And then they kick Wiley to left guard. Now you have a pretty good line. Now it looks it looks good. It looks really good because Wiley yeah, so is Wiley's a good offensive lineman who's a good like he's a good guard. So yeah, but just want to put that out there for people. Anyway, go ahead. So, but like as an example, when you say like, what would you have done differently, or how could they have done something differently? Like Orlando Brown was just added for well below market value. Right. I'm in on that. Like it's okay to get really good players. Sure. It's okay to do that sometimes. 100%. I know that they. They would prefer to get guys that are that are middling, but I really like good players. I have this weird thing about me. So that's number one. Number two, we look at the roster, okay, and we go like you. And I'm not joning on you, Logan, but but yeah. I, like I'm just making a point. We go okay. They're set here. They're set here. Like it's okay to get outside the box. Hundred percent. Like, here's 100%. what I would do. I would trade this year's number one and a fourth next year right now to the Bengals for T Higgins who supposedly won a first-round pick for T. Higgins. T. Higgins, who they can't or they shouldn't probably and aren't expected to sign because they have to give Joe Burrow $50 million a year and pay Jamar Chase. So it's unlikely that he gets $23 million or whatever he wants. Then I'm shopping Curtis Samuel. Like Now I've got uh, Terry McLaurin, T. Higgins, and I've got uh, Jahan Dotson under contract. Or you know, uh, Dotson gets paid after Terry's contract essentially is over three years from now. Like, it's okay to just be really good and aggressive to add weapons. Yeah. I, I, I would sign Dalton Schultz, who's 26 and productive, tomorrow. And I love him, So I, and I don't like, you know, people losing their jobs. But you save $5 million, you move on from Logan Thomas, a couple of years since he was particularly productive. And I use that, – that's over half of what – you know, that's about half of what I'm going to pay Dalton Schultz on a suppressed tight end. Right. I, and so, you know, yeah, I, I agree. But I think, like, that's one thing that, like, I think fans need to be aware of. Like, t, let's take Tahir as an example. Like, I think he is elevated tremendously by Joe Burrow. And I don't think you get the same player going from Joe Burrow to Sam Howell. And so you're going to fork over a first and a fourth for a guy who is going to be way less productive. You're going to have to pay a ton of money. You're going to have to pay more than Terry probably to get him here. Right. And so I look at that and I say, is that the right move for this team in, in the current roster construction? And I look at the Dalton Shorts. I think the Dalton Shorts Schultz thing is a little bit more interesting, right? Because I think yeah. you can get him at a fairly good number. The draft capital is not going to be as expensive. Also, good... way more realistic. Like yes, yes. Real yeah. quick, let me say on on Higgins. Let me just say so. Um, two two things, I guess. One is that's that's the first idea I've come up with. No, I mean, yeah, yeah. Again, I'm not saying you want that, but I'm just saying for fans who want my, that. My point is, it sounds like fantasy football. I'm saying it's okay to be aggressive, to like think outside the box. The roster is a fluid thing. It's not like everything is set. And by the way, this idea that they can't get better here or they're set here, they'd win more football games if they were just awesome everywhere. Like, I I don't believe the idea that, oh, they shouldn't do that. Like, no, go find a player who's available for some quirky reason and pay them. The the cap is exploding. Philly is a perfect, yes. perfect example, right? Like, and they, and now if you look at their process, like they pay O linemen, they do a good job of drafting and evaluating, developing O linemen. It allows them some flexibility on the outside to say, Hey, we don't need to draft an O lineman in the first round because we can develop these players. We have all these excellent defensive, like 
like I just look at that roster construction and I love what they're doing. They they do a good job of trading guys ahead of time. They accrue first round draft capital. It allows them to do that as opposed to kind of what you're talking about, where it's like every year it's like, well, we really need this first round pick because we need to get a good ball player. It's like, gosh, there's other ways to allocate that resource. So I totally agree with what you're saying, Grant. It's just like, um, you know, playing fantasy football isn't always the right solution. But like when you allocate, when your evaluation sound, when you've planned for that, like think about Philly, they every they have two first round picks next year or whatever it is. Like they've planned to allocate resources when they need resources. And I and I sometimes I don't always feel that there is that forward thinking approach like you're talking about. Boom. Yeah. I've just had an awakening in the last like I, I have been the guy on the radio that's like shouted down callers with ideas like that for years. But a few years ago, my, my mindset has changed a little bit. I was listening to Tom Brady do an interview. And he yeah. was basically saying he's stunned that teams aren't more aggressive in the offseason and that the NFL is so methodical and kind of four years at a time. And he was basically like, you know, you could upset the apple cart and just go for it. And mm-hmm. we saw the, the the Bucks bring him in and win. I know that's unique. The Rams said, this golf guy got us to the Super Bowl. That's great. But let's go get Matt Stafford. And they win. The Eagles are good and they trade for A.J. Brown and bring in C.J. Gardner-Johnson and they get to the Super Bowl. I know Jalen Hurts elevation was the biggest reason why but i think we are like this group will never do that and i kind of just want a more they view the salary cap as like this scary monster under the bed and i want someone who doesn't i guess that's Mm. my big picture point yeah i mean i think offensively i like where they're at in part because the way the chiefs have won is having a bunch of four three dudes all over the field and like when you say shop curtis samuel i'm like hell no like that that's their Tyreek Hill. That's their their Debo Samuel. That's their move piece. And if you can get a better version of it, fine. I don't know how many there are, though. A guy who can truly play running back, play some receiver, and is 4-3. But the fast. idea of him has been way better than the actual him. I mean, he was like, pretty good last year. Yes, but he was – look at the last six weeks. I mean, he, he's a minimal factor for a lot of games. Like, now that's not his fault necessarily, and maybe Eric well, – That's, that's kind of my thing is, like, he's the right piece for this scheme. Let's hope so. But he was the ninth highest paid receiver in the NFL last year. Against sure. Mm. He didn't get that production. No, absolutely. But like, I think he, the, the thing with the enemy and what they've done with, with KC offensively is like, obviously Mahomes is the main engine and we're trying to recreate that good freaking luck. He's one of one in NFL history, but they surrounded him with a bunch of dudes who ran four, three. They have that here with, with Gibson, with McLaren, with Dotson, with Samuel. Schultz, absolutely. Offensive line, definitely more aggressive. But like we mentioned, CJ Gardner Johnson, he just signed for not a whole lot of money in Detroit on a one year prove it deal. You could wait for Percy Butler to develop, or you could go sign CJ Gardner Johnson. Like that, those are the kinds of moves and upgrades that I, I, I'm 100% with you, where it's like, yes, development is cool. And when it works, it's really rewarding. And you get to pat yourself on the back for doing a great job in the draft and developing guys. And, you know, that's fantastic. Or you just get a guy who could play. But also, and- like, it's, it's important. I, I agree with both of you. But also look at positions that don't transfer well, like DB, free agent acquisitions. We just got to experience that firsthand. Traditionally, sure. don't do well, right? So I think that's that's one of those things that, that I, you just got to kind of call attention to. You know, like, the free agency is the right situation, but... The evaluation has to be right. It just can't be like, this guy's available. Let's go get him. You got to, the, the whole process has to be sound. Okay. All right. Uh, that was great. I'm glad you uh, you kicked that. That was fun to kick around. I just wanted um, to hear you. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to see what you guys thought. And I'm with you, Logan. I, I Fit is more important than skill. 
But like good football but, players win games, man. But you can, but yeah, but you can, but like you're both of us are correct. Like if you are engaged with a more aggressive mindset, yeah, yeah. Right? I, and I don't want to go. It doesn't need to be Dan Snyder in two thousand. Correct. But like but this isn't working for me. Like, right. like I just yeah. this yeah. isn't putting the Triscuit crackers in my stomach. We we <laughs> we look at all this stuff too, and the kind of silly thing is, if Sam plays well, they'll win a bunch of games, and if he doesn't, none of the rest of it matters anyway. So there's like to a point, like it just what does the quarterback do? I guess we'll all find out uh, this fall. Uh, you can catch Grant, of course, one hundred six seven the fan two to six thirty each and every weekday, Bustin' Loose Baseball Podcast, as well as previously mentioned, a podcast full of sadness. Grant, thanks for making this one a little bit happier today. We appreciate you. Yeah, thank you guys. That was fun. Thanks, bud. 